All right, kindergartners through fifth graders, you guys want to come up? We'll do a quick little lesson here. I'll give you your word search, and you can pick crayons. I know that's a big decision, so why don't you gravitate on that for a little bit. There you go. Hopefully there's enough. If not, I've got a few more. Uh, Scarlett already got one. Good work. I got one. Good job. Good job to you, too. All right. Get some more. Come on. Um, so for those of you who, you know, this is your first um, time being here when we do a family, <clears throat> when we do a family Sunday, K through fifth, we have them in the service, and so it's just kind of an opportunity for them to see you worship and us worship, and um, you know, it's it's a little bit of an exercise and and in patience for the kids, and uh, um, but we we think that it it brings some good opportunities for them to kind of grow in their faith and in their walk, and so. Um, so we give you guys this word search. So your job is to find these words. I should say all of these words at some point today. Um, don't, I, I may not. Maybe, how about this? If there's one of these words that I don't ever say, tell me afterwards, okay? It'll be a little bit of a challenge, okay? Does that sound good? You guys, you guys tracking? All right. All right, qu- here's a question. You wake up in the morning. You can do whatever you want. What do you do? You do. Your parents, whatever you say you get to do that day, your parents are going to do. What do you think? Go to Disney World. Go to Disney World. All right. Shocker. <laughs> what else? What would you do? You just lay in bed? Eat never get. Eat all the ice cream. I like in the world. That might be challenging, but in the house. <laughs> sleep for a million years. I think there's a lot of parents out there like, amen, sister. What else? What would you do? Eat eat popcorn and watch TV. I like it. I like it. So you guys do get these little times in your life, right, in your days that you guys have, like, like your parents say, go play or go do something, right? No, you don't ever get to play. (laughs) No. Uh, Right? So, like, and you guys get, and all of a sudden, you get to do whatever you want. It's kind of cool. Just a little bit of time, right? Like maybe, I mean, maybe not whatever you want. There's some boundaries, right? You got to be nice to your brothers and sisters and, you know, stuff like that. But so what we're going to learn about this morning is that we, that characteristic, what we like to do, our own purposes, like your purpose, like today I'm going to find all the ice cream in the house and I'm going to eat it all, right? Or I am going to play with my Legos, or I am going to watch TV, or whatever, right? Like, those change, like, what you want to do, but your parents all have similar things. Maybe not those, maybe those, but <laughs> maybe not those. And they, they want to do things, right? They maybe have silly things like fix this in the house, or fix this outside, or go to school, or work, you know, silly things like that, Right? But we have these purposes, all of us do, as humans. But God has a purpose for us. Do you guys know what God's purpose is for us? Like, does he, does, well, yeah, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. What's up? What do you think? To share the gospel with others. I like it. Good job, Genevieve. Yeah, right? Well, do you do that when you're, um, when you're sleeping? <laughs> no. 
Well, let's talk about that afterwards. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> um, uh, maybe, maybe. Um, but but there's, there's, and it's, it's not that God only wants us to do like certain things, right? But these different things, like going to Disney World, like you could invite somebody to Disney World that you could then share the gospel with, right? And now you're like, oh, this is kind of cool. I get to do something that I want to do but I'm doing what God wants to do, right? Or wants me to do. This is what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to, we're going to listen to the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph. You guys probably have heard of those names, right? You guys have heard some stories associated with all of them. Yeah? I know. Well, we're going to be talking a lot about not you, but your name this morning. Um, I mean, I could talk about you maybe. I don't know. Um, and so what's cool about this is we're going to hear them, and they're, they're trying, they want to do things that they want to do. And they try to, like, figure out life. And they make decisions. And some of those decisions are good. Some of those decisions are outright bad. Not that anything that you guys suggested was bad. But some of theirs, like, as they're trying to figure out what God wants for them, they don't always make the right decisions. But you know what's amazing is that God graciously cares for them, provides for them, and he accomplishes his purpose, kind of regardless of what they end up doing, which is really kind of cool because we have a sovereign God, right? He knows everything. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning, okay? So if I don't say one of these words on the right side, I need you guys to tell me afterwards, okay? Because that means I didn't go off of my notes very well. Well, dear, um, you know, I, I, I think, um, I don't know, I'll talk to your parents about that, and uh, you, could, you could try paying attention, but I also understand I'm going to be talking for about 40 minutes, so, um, so buckle up. Parents, you guys can go back to your seats, grab a crayon, grab a sheet, it's totally cool if they're, you know, it's not a big deal. I, I, I've said this before, I won't get distracted, and then, like, I, I have gotten distracted, but, but it'll be fine. Um, do you want to hand those out to the rest of the kids? Yeah. Okay. Emma. <laughs> oh, Emma, can you give one to Jacob? Did you get a crayon? Okay. All right. That's perfect. Thanks. <laughs> uh, what happens if I don't pay attention? Well, Hey, what happens? Um, God's word is absolutely incredible. And uh, we're going to go through Genesis chapters 12 through 50 this morning. Um, So buckle up. (laughs) Um, But frankly, we're not going to get into detail into all the different stories. Um, You've and that's not because they're not important. It's just because we got to get through Genesis chapter 12 through 50. But, but it's actually more than that. Like, intentionally, we want to, to hit the wave top of this, right? And to understand what the, what the full narrative of Genesis is. Like, what's God doing? Like, not, not just what happens in the circumstance, but what is God doing and how does that relate to us? And so we're walking through the Torah, right? And we're going to spend, um, we're going to finish up with Genesis. We're going to do Exodus for two weeks. Um, 
Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy each are going to have a week. And, and we're going to continue to see what this pattern looks like. And we, this morning we're going to be at this, uh, this you know, sin, right? The fall caused us, right? All sorts of problems. And we saw that last week. And how does God respond to that? He responds to that with grace, right? Um, and so as we, can you go to the next slide, Janelle? And so as he, as he responds in grace, he also responds in this like purposeful grace. Like it's not just that, that God shows grace and he gives us undeserved merit and that he loves us despite us and those things, and those are all true, but that he has a purpose in this. Like there's a, there's a real purpose, not just for uh, what we're going to see is Abraham and his family, but that he has a purpose for us. Um, and this isn't just like find your purpose, find the, you know, this isn't self-help, this isn't self-motivation. Um, this is what's God's purpose. What, what is he doing with humanity? What's, he, what's, he, what's his plan, right? And we kind of we left with a cliffhanger last week, right? Because we just see the, like this, this first creation and a fall. We see the second creation with Noah and Ham and another fall, and then we see the Tower of Babel. We, like, nothing's helping. <laughs> God, God wipes out all of humanity, and, he, and the reset button doesn't do anything. Sin is still there, and so we're kind of left with this. At the end of chapter 11, we're left with this real dark question. It's like, what now? What, what else does God have up of his sleeve? How is he going to solve this problem? And so what we're going to end up seeing is that it's going to go full circle, right? And we're going to talk um, how he makes us his possession. And he, and he takes us, uh, well, he takes Abraham's family, and he like, like really like owns them, like, like really, in a very genuine way, takes them as his possession. And he builds this relationship with them. And then he, he shows them what is holiness, what does it take. And remember, all of this is, starts at the top, that, that we started in God's presence and we will end in God's presence. That's the point, right? And hopefully this week in your small groups, you went through, and, the, and I think the youth went through this as well, that like in, in the garden, right, we were in the presence of God, or Adam and Eve were in the presence of God. And then we saw in Revelation 21 and 22, this beautiful picture of us like back in the presence of God. And so this is what God's doing. That's his purpose. I mean, that's a little bit of a, 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 a spoiler, right? But like, that's his purpose. That's what he's doing. He's, he's bringing us back into his presence because that's where we belong. Um, and so that's what we're going to walk through this morning. But first, let me pray. Father, we ask that as we open up your word, that you would speak to us, that you would help us to see your hand um, in all of these different ways, in, in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and in their family, and in their relationships, and their kids. And God, I, I pray that as we do this, that, that we, wouldn't, we wouldn't put ourselves in the middle of this story, that we would understand it for what it is, but that we would also see your character in this. And that's what we want, Father. We want to see you. We want you to be magnified. We want you to be glorified. We pray that that happens this morning, Father. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. The verses will be on the screen. Um, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 12. And um, if you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to get it out. There's going to be some places where I'm going to ask you to like underline stuff or, or put a box around it or a circle or whatever, right? Like, like mark up your Bibles. 
I can't, I can't emphasize this enough because at some point you're going to go back, you're going to lose the little sheet of paper that you're writing on or whatever if you steal your kid's little word search there to rip off a piece so I can take some notes, right? Like, like you're going to lose it, but it's okay to write in your Bible. It's good. Um, so I, I, I will always encourage us to do that. Um, Genesis chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 3. It says, now the Lord said to Abram. So this, this, this comes off of what that cliffhanger in chapter 11. Like, what's he going to do? And this is what he does. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abraham isn't part of any, like, God just chooses this one person. Um, for all intents and purposes, we don't know anything about Abraham or Abram. We're going to use this, this. He's Abram. He'll get renamed to Abraham in a bit. Um, God just picks him. God just goes, hey, I, like, I'm calling you, do this. And so at the very outset, right, like, like so God doesn't flood the earth. He scatters the tower, or it doesn't flood the earth again, right? He scatters the people from the Tower of Babel. And now he, he takes this shift. And he goes, I'm choosing this person. I'm going to bless you. That's it. So God, this is, this is God's plan. This is God's purpose. And if you notice... What do we see specifically? He says, I'll bless you and I will make your name great. What was Adam and Eve's fall? They wanted to be like God. In the Tower of Babel, why were they building that thing? So that their name would be great. And so there's this shift where God goes, you've been trying, people, humanity, you're in your sin, you're trying to do things. It's, it's my job to make your name great. It's, it's my job, my purpose to do this. And so he chooses to do this with Abraham. And so Abraham, he's 75 years old. And um, that wasn't me, I don't think. Okay. Um, he's 75 years old, and God, God makes this uh, promise to him. He acquires great wealth. He's got livestock and, uh, and all these things, and, and there becomes a famine in the land. And now, now God has taken him, right? And he's like, go to this land. And Abraham goes to the land. He's in the land of Canaan, and, and there's a famine. And Abraham gets nervous, frankly. And he goes, I, everybody went to Egypt, right? Egypt has the Nile, right? They've got water, right? Everywhere else in that land, you're counting on rain. There's no rain. There's no water. It's, it's, not, it's not great. You've got some wells, but wells dry up pretty quick. But the Nile, Egypt... Like, they know they can get water. They know they can get food there. It's a known quantity. And so Abram goes, we're going to go down to Egypt. And, and you could talk through this, and, and we're going to see this recurring. Because there's this decision that Abram makes to go to Egypt. And we're going to revisit that. And I, I think, my opinion is, that God did not want him to go to Egypt. I think God wanted to provide for him in the desert. And I think that's, and, and all, I think... I think maybe I can convince you of that by the time we get to the end here. 
And so what does he do? He goes to Egypt. But, but to go to Egypt, he, he's, he's walking in a rich man. As a foreigner, as a, with a rich man, a beautiful wife, Sarah. And so what does he do? He's like, I'm a little concerned. Like, I need the food. I need the water. I need the grain. I, like, I need to be able to live. But they're probably going to kill me, <laughs> right? And they're going to take my stuff, and they're going to take my wife. And so he comes up with this plan to lie, right? And so he compromises. He, he's kind of forced to compromise. Because he's made this decision, he's forced to compromise. Um, and so he says, hey, this isn't my wife. This is my sister, Sarah. And you can imagine the, the consequences of that for both Sarah and him. And at some point, Pharaoh realizes this. And, he, well, God, God, like, curses his house, and, like, there's all these things going on that are bad, and Pharaoh's trying to figure out what's going on, and they really, he realizes this, and he's like, why did you lie to me? And he says that he kicks him out with all of his possessions and his wife. I know, I know sometimes I start to get emotional up here, and you're like, that's not emotional. But it's because I know where I'm going, <laughs> okay? But like, so, so here's Abram doing like, I mean, there probably couldn't be anything worse that you could do than go to Egypt and tell them, that, hey, my wife is my sister. Take her into your courts, right? Like, that's pretty jacked up. Um, and, but but it, it's very specific, that God sends him out with all of his possessions and his wife. Like, like God, in the midst of that kind of misstep, failure. Because I don't think Abram was like rebelling against God. I think he was trying to figure things out. Is something dropping? Okay. <laughs> I'm like, what's happening? Um, and so, so, what he's, so what, what's happening here is like God is providing for him. He's taking care of him even in his failure, even in his misstep. And this is going to be the recurring theme throughout the rest of these chapters. And then look at what it says in uh, Genesis chapter 13, verse 2. It says, Now Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold, and he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and I to the place where he had made an altar at the first. You see, there, there's, this, there's this redemption piece here, right? And, and circle beginning and first, because what's happening is God goes, no, 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 <laughs> here. This is where I told you to be, right? And Abram goes to Egypt, and he gets all mixed up and has all these problems, right? Because one problem leads to another problem, and we'll see another problem that's going to come out of this, right? But, and God goes, no, no, right here. This is where I put you at the beginning. This is where you built the altar to me at first. Stay here. I'll provide for you. I'll care for you. And so there's this purpose that God is showing in this. But God had promised Abram, we just read at the beginning, that he was going to be the father of many nations. And at this point, Sarah was barren. No kids. And it's been about 10 years. And Abraham's like, so how are you planning on doing this? Right? What's going on? Like, Sarah can't have kids? What's going on? Well, guess what they also brought up out of Egypt? Sarah had a slave woman named Hagar. You see? And so you see this kind of like unfolding, like, man, our sin doesn't stay where we left it. Right? It, it kind of 
trickles behind us often. And so this is what ends up happening. And so, and if you go back and you can go read Romans chapter four, and if you, if you don't, like, maybe take a note of this. Abram and Sarah choose to use Hagar. And for the sake of clarity, I'm just going to keep going, okay? In the audience, okay? And so, so they end up having Ishmael. Um, and so what you see here is this, did Abraham lose faith in God? I don't think so. And I, I, think, and I think we have to conclude that because of Romans chapter 4. And you can go back and, and read that and see what, what it talked about, about Abraham's faith. I think they were trying to figure out, well, how was God going to do this? God, God said I was going to be you know, blessed and I was going to have all these nations come for me. But I don't have any kids. And so I think he's thinking, like we think, okay, well, if this is what God wants, I, I think this is the direction he wants me to go. I, I think this is it. And not unlike his movement to Egypt, he kind of has this, um, he kind of has this, um, <laughs> is there something I need to do? Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's all good. Um, and so, just like Egypt, he's trying to solve, I think he's trying to figure out what God's purpose is, what God's will is. And he's like, is this the direction I should go? And so, I think that based on Romans 4, I, th I think Abram is still in faith. He's just like, I, maybe it's Hagar. Maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's how God's going to do this. Um, so, 13 years later, well, sorry, go, go, to, go to Genesis chapter 15, verse 5. And God says to him, as he's like doubting and trying to figure out what's going to happen, he's like, oh, listen, I don't have any offspring. It says, and he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. This is why we say Abraham is the father of the faith. This, this, this is extrapolated all throughout scripture. Paul uses this significantly. It was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham became righteous because of what? Because he did something? Because he worked hard at something? Because he was more noble? No, he just believed God. He trusted him. That's why we say, right, that, that we are saved by faith. God gave him, attributed to him, counted him as righteous. Like, that was it. Because he believed him. And so... Abraham had all the reason in the world to not believe God because he's like, my, Sarah's still barren. How are you going to make me into a nation? And so now, now fast forward 13 years. Ishmael is now 13 years old. And Abraham likes him because Abraham thinks that this is his lineage. Abraham thinks it's going to be through Ishmael. And then we read in Genesis chapter 17, verses 15 through 19, and God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. 
Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. So God makes this clear delineation. He goes, no, it's not through Ishmael. It's not, it's not through human will and human engineering. And, and you can read this in Romans. Paul goes back to this as well. And he goes like, this is not, it's not because you tried to solve the problem with Hagar. I told you you were going to have a son. I'm going to give you a son. And it's going to be through your barren wife. And his name's going to be Isaac. And that's what's going to happen. So God's got this very specific purpose. And what does it show us here? It's like, yeah, you tried doing that. I have a different purpose. And he doesn't like reprimand. You can go back and look at this too because it's really cool because what Abraham then does is go, would you care for Ishmael? I mean, it's a really cool picture where Abraham's struggling because he's got this unborn kid that like he doesn't even know about yet, right? And he's like, okay, but he's got his 13-year-old son that he's like poured into for 13 years. And he's like, that's it? Like he's nothing? He's my firstborn? And God goes, it's going to be through Isaac. Go to Genesis chapter 21, verse 1. It says, The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. The son that he promised. The son that he said, right? There's a lot of, like, repetition here. God's trying to make a point like, this is not just anybody. Like, this is what God wanted. This is what God's purpose was, and it's going to prevail regardless of kind of where Abraham went. And so he has all these missteps. Like, it's, it's God's like, I, I've, I'm executing something, right? It's pretty clear that God has a plan. It's pretty clear that Abraham and Isaac, like, in God's omniscience and omnipotence, right? Like, he knew what he wanted to do. And Abraham goes to Egypt, and Abraham grabs the slave girl, and Abraham does this, and, and God's like, no, this is what's going to happen. He's got a purpose, and we're trying to figure out what that purpose is. Now go to Genesis chapter 26, verse 1. Now we're with Isaac here. It says, now there was a famine in the land. Sound familiar? Besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, that city Gerar is, is on the way to Egypt. So here's Isaac, like his father. He's like, what did my dad do? My dad went to Egypt when there was a famine. <laughs> what am I going to do? I'm going to go to Egypt. So Isaac starts marching out. It says in verse 2, 
And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will bless you. Sorry. And I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. What's, so, so God now kind of reveals, like, d- don't. <laughs> don't do it. Don't go down to Egypt. You, you, you saw what happened with your dad, right? You saw the turmoil. In fact, the bitterness that ended up brewing from Sarah and Hagar, Isaac watched. Isaac watched his half-brother, right? He watched all of this happen. We've got to put ourselves into this story. Like, these things are happening. And so now God goes, don't go down to Egypt. But notice there's, there's a different promise in here. There's, a, there's something that God adds. He says, sojourn in this land, and I will be with you. This is the first time God said this. I mean, he, he told Abraham he was going to bless him. He told Abraham he was going to have all these kids, and everybody was going to be blessed through him. But this, now God says, I'm going to be with you. That's important. That's a, that's a step in that circle. That's a step in some direction, right, where, where God is now saying that he is going to be with him. And look at what happens in verse 12, Genesis 26, 12. And Isaac sowed in that land, first time that they've actually uh, worked the ground. Prior to this, they were caring for livestock and things of that nature. But, but here, in, in the midst of a famine, <laughs> what does Isaac do? He sows seed in the ground. Good call, bro. What is he doing? I, there might be a lot more to that. But to, to, to start planting in the ground during a famine is probably not your best bet, worldly-wise. And he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants, so that the Philistines envied him. What does God do? He's like, he listened to me. He listened to me. I blessed him. Like, like this, is, this is, here we go. We're, we're working, right? And all of a sudden you start thinking, okay, all right, the flood didn't work, right? Tower of Babel, like God's done these different punishments, but we're on the right track now. Like Isaac knows what it is. We just need to obey God and then everything's going to work out, <laughs> right? And Isaac is, that, is the, the, the first one to do this and, and we're going to see just like the family's just going to fire on all cylinders the rest of this time. Not at all. In fact, if you go back uh, to Genesis 25, 23, when um, Rebekah was pregnant, it says, And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. Now, Isaac knows this. Rebekah knows this. She's pregnant with twins, and She's like, hey, the younger is going to be the one that's going to be, that's going to get your blessing. The, the, the younger one is the one, right? Just like, just like he told Abraham, it's not Ishmael, it's going to be Isaac. He's now saying, like, it's going to be the younger one. Well, Isaac doesn't like that much. 
Isaac's like, no, I like Esau more. I just liked him more. He was a man's man. He hunted. He was hairy, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Different times. Um, right? And so, so there's this, like, like, he just liked him. He knew this. He knew that God had said this to Rebecca, and, but, but he's like, I, I got it. He's like, well, what are we talking about? A couple minutes in birth order here? Like, hey, I, I like him better. He, he goes out and he hunts and he makes food. And it's, it's actually really interesting, like, just how, how worldly and how materialistic. He's just like, hey, he just makes good food. <laughs> like, you know? Um, and, I think, and it says that, you know, Jacob just hung out in the tents, right? <laughs> and so Isaac struggles with that. And so what ends up happening? So, so Isaac rebels. Isaac's like, no, that's not, I'm, I'm, I'm going to favor Esau. So what ends up happening? Rebecca and Jacob, they kind of start formulating some plans, and they start getting into this, like, soap opera deception thing. And they're like, we're going to steal the blessing from your blind dad. <laughs> and it's like this super crazy story. They put on, he disguises himself as his brother. Isaac can't see. And so he walks up and, and uh, <clears throat> he changes his voice a little bit to try to sound like Esau. And Isaac's like, are you sure? And then he goes and he get, makes some of the food. And he's like, here, yeah, I'm totally Esau. And he blesses him. Look at, look at what it says in uh, Genesis 27, verse 29. So Isaac says to Jacob, unwittingly, he thinks he's saying this to Esau, and he says, let the people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Same, same blessing that Abraham got, right? Cursings and blessings, right? And he says that let your brothers bow down to you. So here's Isaac accomplishing the purposes of God, totally unwitting, right? Like, like, he's not trying to, he's actually trying to rebel, and what does God do? He's like, watch this. Now, does that mean that God approved of Rebecca and Jacob's deception? Not at all. In fact, you see this, like, where these humans, us, we still do this, right? We try to navigate things and make things work out, and God goes, would you just chill I got you. And, and it's not as if, and this is where I, what my prayer in the beginning, it's not like God, um, you know, like God's purpose with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, no offense, is, is, is a little bit of a different purpose than he has with your life, okay? Like he's not bringing the Messiah through your lineage, I promise you, because that's not how Jesus is coming back, okay? So it's a little bit different in the purpose, but still the characteristic of how God operates, we can see clearly here. But he's like, you, get your hands out of it. Like, I, I, I can help you with this. And honestly, you guys, like, that, that's the toughest part, right? Is, is God closing this door? Is he opening this door? Which way do I go, right? It's easy for us to say, okay, um, maybe it's not easy, but, okay, this is immoral. Clearly, God doesn't want me to go that way, right? Like, this is unethical. I'm not going to go that way, but there's a whole world inside of those boundaries. It's like, where does he want me to go? And there's a place here where we see that God goes, just trust me. Trust me. 
I'll provide for you. It doesn't mean that we sit back on our couches and just like let God do whatever he wants to do. We're, we're, we're constantly going, what does God want? What's my next step? Where does he want me to go? And he'll bless that. So what happens? So Jacob gets this blessing, and he's on the outs with Esau, let's just say. <laughs> and he has to leave. And actually, Rebecca does this like, hey, don't you need to go? I think you need to go get a wife from like, my family. Like, you need to leave. <laughs> like, just go. And so, so, so Jacob goes back to like, uh, and if you've heard the story of like with Laban and like, so he goes to, uh, that's his uncle. Uh, and so he, he travels, he leaves, right? Because Esau is like, I'm going to kill my brother. I'm going to kill him and then I'll get the blessing, right? And so that, that's Esau's plan. He's like, I'm going to kill him. And so Jacob has to bounce. He has to leave. Um, and so we read in Genesis 28, 12, what God does with Jacob. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And this is Jacob dreaming here. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. What a beautiful, what beautiful words to Jacob, who's, who's on the run, who's, who's, who's trying to figure out, right? So, like, he runs away from Esau, but he doesn't run into, like, a great place. He, he runs to Laban, and, and if you know the story, he's, like, he works for a long time to try to, uh, to earn the right to marry Rachel, and then Laban does this little, like, kind of maneuver, and he's like, no, 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 you worked that long for Leah. That's my older daughter. That's the one that you get, and he's like, ah. Okay, well, can I still? So he's trying to get to Rachel, and so he ends up running away from Laban because they don't like him because he's growing and he's being blessed, and now he's married to Leah and Rachel, and so now he has to run away from Laban. So, so Jacob's in this weird spot. He can't go home because Esau wants to kill him, and he can't go the other way because Laban wants to kill him. And so he's in this predicament, and, and what God does is he, he renames him Israel. And we read this in Genesis chapter 31. Now Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's, and from what was our father's, he had gained all his wealth. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. There's this... There's this ongoing promise, right? So what, what happens? The deceptiveness of Rebecca and Jacob means that Jacob has to flee. Jacob now goes over here, right? And, and he's not doing anything wrong, but there's this more deception, more family drama. Now he's got to leave there. And God goes, I'm with you. Go back to your home. Go back to Canaan. Now for Jacob, this isn't easy because he's like, but Esau's there, <laughs> 
Esau's going to kill me. Do you remember this? Right? God goes, I'll be with you. And there's a, there's a few chapters where Jacob is trying to, let's just say, grease the skids with, with Esau. He's sending him stuff, and he's like, I love you, brother. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm on my way. Don't hurt me. Or, as a side note, like, I used to do that with my brother. Like, <laughs> I remember hitting my brother. We never hit him. I don't think I hit him in the face. Maybe I did. I, I'm a younger brother. Um, and I remember, like, but I was faster than my brother. <laughs> so I, like, I remember hitting him, like, I don't know, we were just whatever. And I hit him, and then I'm like, uh-oh, what did I just do, right? <laughs> and, I, and I ran, and we had this, like, block that I could run around. I mean, it was, like, hilly and stuff, but I'm like, how do I get back home now, <laughs> right? Like, and so now it's, like, getting a little closer to the house, and you're like, hey, I was just playing. Like, we, you know? And so this is what Jacob's doing is he's coming back to Esau. He's like, hey, don't hurt me, brother. Don't hurt me. So we see this tumble in family chaos. Genesis chapter 35, verse 9. It says that God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padam Aram. That's, that's where Laban was. And blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. No longer shall you, your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel, and God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him. So he reaffirms this. He's like, go back to the land. I'm with you. I got you. I'm going to provide for you. Okay, i got to speed up here because there's some really good stuff I need to get to at the end, so bear with me. So Jacob, he has 12 sons, right? 12 tribes of Israel, kind of, a little bit. We'll talk more about that later, but close. Two of them are his grandsons, but, but anyway, those are, those are his sons. His sons are a train wreck. Uh, the family's a train wreck. Jacob, Jacob prefers one of his sons. Um, remember, he, he liked Rachel. And he liked, and Leah was like a second, second <laughs> fiddle, I guess, if you will, right? And so, but, but Rachel is, once again, she's barren, right? So he has all these other kids. There's a couple other ladies in the mix as well. It's just this very sordid thing, and it's this competition between Rachel and Leah, and it's super gross. And so they're just kind of going back and forth, uh, and eventually Rachel has Joseph. And Jacob goes, I like Joseph the best. He's not the oldest, but he likes Joseph the best. Um, and so he favors him, and so his 10 older brothers um, like him better, or, or, or sorry, his 10 older brothers uh, don't like him. They envy him. They hate him. Sound familiar? They try to kill him, right? Reuben, who's the oldest brother, is like, hey, we're gonna, let's just, let's kill him. <laughs> like, we can solve this problem really easy, um, and then, um, uh, I forgot, the, I think it's Simeon. Uh, hang on. No, where is it? Ah, I lost my place. Um, oh, no, no, yeah. So, so generally, they, they go, hey, we're going to kill him. Reuben says, hey, let's just throw him in the pit, leave him to die, 
Like, don't, we don't want to put blood on our hands. We're just going to throw him in a pit that he can't get out of, and then we just walk away. So, like, that was their, his solution, right? And then Judah comes along, and he's like, how about this? How about we just make a little bit of dough with this, and we'll sell him, and we'll make some money, win-win. Joseph's gone, and we get a little bit of cash. And so that, that's Judah's plan. That, that's, and so this is where they're kind of walking through this, trying to figure out how to get rid of Joseph. What does God do? Joseph goes down to Egypt. Okay? Potiphar, Pharaoh's wife, adopts him into the house. God blesses Joseph. Everything that he does, everything that he touches is great. Pharaoh loves him, puts him in charge of a bunch of things. God gives him the ability to discern his dreams. And, and Joseph's like, hey, there's going to be a famine. and We should start saving. We should start saving grain so that we can provide for everybody. And so this is what happens. And then guess what happens? There's a famine in the land. Go figure. This is the third famine now. Well, what's, what's the rule? What's the rule? Abraham shouldn't have gone. He told Isaac not to go. Well, presumably, the right answer is what? Don't go to Egypt. It's a trap. Go to, go to, go to Genesis chapter 41. 41, verse 56. So when the famine had spread over all the land, Joseph opened all of the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. For the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt, to Joseph, to buy grain. Because the famine was severe over all the earth. How, how big was this famine? <laughs> it's very redundant, right? It's very repetitive. That's how they did this. That's how they emphasized things. This was a big deal. When Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you look at one another? And he said, behold, I have heard that there is grain for sale in Egypt. Listen to what, listen to what Jacob's, where Jacob's at here. Go down and buy grain for us there, that we may live and not die. So what does Jacob do? Jacob doesn't go to Egypt. He just sends his sons, go get the grain and bring it back. All right, all right, he's... He's figuring some things out. God doesn't want him to go into Egypt. That makes sense. So 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt, right? There's only 11 because one of them is in Egypt, right? But Jacob did not send Benjamin. Benjamin was the second son of Rachel. Presumably, they didn't really like him either because listen to what it says. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with his brothers, for he feared that harm might happen to him. Now, whether that's from the Egyptians or from his brothers, right? Like, like there's, there's really no real boundaries in this family. And so he's like, listen, it, I would like to still have 11 sons when all this is done. And so he keeps Benjamin back with him. Thus, the sons of Israel came to buy among the others who came for the famine was in the land of Canaan. So, okay, go to Genesis chapter 46, verse 3. So they go down, they find grain there, they go back. They tell their dad, we can go get grain. Verse 3, then he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. For there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt. 
So God's like, I remember when I said I was going to be with you? Dude, we're doing this together. Let's rock and roll. We're going to Egypt. Now it's okay. It's different. Why is it different? Because this is in line with God's purpose. You guys see this? This is like, in the Christian world, we don't do a good job of this because we're like, this is the rule. <laughs> I like the rule. Just do this. Always do this. I just do this. Sometimes I don't do that, but I'm wrong. I should just do this. And God's like, nah, it's not, it's not always like that. It's not always like that. And so as you're trying to discern stuff, I'm like, well, that's what they did, so I'm just going to do what they did. God's like, that's not how that works either. <laughs> Abraham shouldn't have gone and did. Isaac shouldn't have gone and didn't. Jacob, you can go. <laughs> he, and God's not playing games here. He's a, and this is really a, an important delineation. He's not just some puppeteer, like, trying to see if we figure out which way to go. He's accomplishing something. He's doing something. And he says this, I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again, and Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. Like, and, and you're going to die, and Joseph's going to be there with you, right? Because he had missed Joseph. And so this was a huge blessing. And Jacob's like, okay, you want to go down to Egypt? That's great. Turn over to chapter 49. And so Jacob, as he's approaching his deathbed, blesses his sons. Well, he speaks of his sons. Some are blessings and some are not so blessing. Verse 8, he says, Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down before you. Why Judah? Why Judah? How did you... Didn't, didn't we just sing something about the Lion of Judah? Okay, hold on to that. It's a really, perfect song, Larry. So it's great. Why Judah? Well, go back. Go, I think it's in chapter 35, and Reuben does some pretty bad things. <laughs> Next two on the list in age, Simeon and Levi, they try to protect their sister Dinah, and they do some pretty bad things. And so kind of like disqualifying things is what most scholars think. And so now we're at Judah. And so he's the next one in line. And so this is what God says. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion. And as a lioness, who dares rouse him? This was, this was seen as like, like, this is where we get the lion of Judah. This is where this comes from. In fact, if you go to Revelation chapter 5, 5, chapter 5, verse 5. It says, And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and the seven seals. And without getting into all of that, that that's packed in there, it's talking about Jesus. It's talking about Jesus as the Messiah. And so we read this and we go, Okay, there's something going on here really early. Look what it says in verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. This is a prophecy. He's going to, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah. I know, we, I know we tell a lot of stories about Joseph, but <laughs> there's, there's nothing there. <laughs> it's, it's Judah. And then listen to what it says here, second part of verse 10. Until, and some of your translations, and I encourage you guys to go look at this, until 
the ESV says tribute comes to him. Is that what uh, the one says up here? Mine's a little bit older of a version. Until tribute comes to him. That word tribute is Shiloh. The Jews, before Jesus came, saw this as a messianic verse. Until Shiloh comes. So the Targum talks about, I mean, this is, this is a messianic verse. This was a messianic verse. The Septuagint was before Christ came. This was a messianic verse. I, I don't exactly understand why the, the writers or the translators of ESV chose to kind of, kind of really neutered it. It really seems a lot more passive. But, but that's, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples, the nations, Binding his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine, he has washed his garments in wine and his vesture in the blood of grapes. What in the world are we talking about here? Okay, you wouldn't put a donkey next to your grapevines because the donkey's going to do what to the grapevine? Eat it, right? So this is either you have so many grapevines it doesn't matter or the donkey's not going to eat it. There's some sort of like peace here. Who washes their clothes in wine? Anybody? Maybe your red shirts? I don't know. Right? Like, why would you wash your clothes in wine? There's so much wine, it, it, you can wash your clothes in them. Like, that's, that's mostly what scholars, so they're looking at these going like, like, this is the blessing, this peace and prosperity, like, this is what's going to happen. Through whom? When Shiloh comes. When the Messiah comes. It's a beautiful, incredible verse. His eyes are darker than wine. Whose eyes? Shiloh. And, and you can go back, and I don't have time to go through that clearly. <laughs> These kids are amazing, by the way. Thanks for hanging on. And then we're going to get to the very end here. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. And this is just this beautiful summary that Joseph makes. Talking to his brothers as they come back to him trepidatiously. He says, as for you... You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. You see, God, God's got this purpose and this plan. Now, in the family of Abraham, to accomplish his will, to accomplish his purposes, to what? To be with them. And this is going to be important. We're going to see this next week. He starts drawing closer and closer to us. And, and as we get around that loop, right, we're going to get to the Son of God coming. We're going to get to the Holy Spirit indwelling us, right? Like God gets closer and closer to us because it's in his presence where we find peace and joy and contentment. And so we can read Romans 8.28 that God works for the good of those who love him. And we're like, yes. See, he's working things in the background behind the scenes, and he'll fix your missteps. He'll redeem your failures. He'll do these incredibly beautiful things. He doesn't want the missteps. He doesn't want the failures, but his purposes are going to happen. And we can take confidence in knowing that. Let me pray. God, you are a good God. 